No matter what part of the business you're in, do you know what your personal impact is on supply chain? Or if you're a supply chain professional, what is your personal impact on the rest of the business? Well, to find that out, I spoke to Charles Brewer in last week's episode. So go and check that out. That's letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 78. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. Like the products you manufacture, it is not unreasonable to expect the merchandise used to promote your brand to do so without posing risk to the recipients of the brand itself. Supply chain professionals can now play a leading role in protecting and growing their brand's reputation with the help of the Quality Certification Alliance. QCA is an independent, not-for-profit, 501c6 third-party accrediting and certification body dedicated to ensuring accountability throughout the promotional product industry supply chain. Visit qcalliance.org to learn more. Your brand is your organization's most valuable asset. Protect and grow it by aligning your values with QCA. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. It's the first week of September, so you know what that means. We've got Woman in Supply Chain coming up on this episode. But before we do that, everybody is back to school this week. Plus, I'm going to be in New York City with Algo AI for an exclusive invite only breakfast. And I can't wait to tell you all about that on next week's episode. Before we get to today's episode, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Hulft because they believe that the supply chain industry is growing dynamically and yet women still only fill 15% of the top level supply chain positions. Hulft believes that gender equality and diversity is critical of an inclusive workforce and they're committed to making a difference where they can. A little bit about them, Hulft provides a single global platform that allows IT to find, secure, transform, and move information at scale. Hulft seasoned data logistics consultants uncover hidden pain points, automate tedious manual operations, and streamline data flow worldwide. For 25 years, Hulft has helped more than 10,000 customers automate, orchestrate, and accelerate their global data logistics logistics, making it easier on IT and putting data to work for the enterprise. Learn more at Hulf, that's H-U-L-F-T-I-N-C.com. And thank you to Hulf for sponsoring our Woman in Supply Chain, not only on the podcast, but also on the blog. They are super, super supportive of women in supply chain. And before we get to our uh, woman in supply chain on this episode, let's talk about the question of the week. This one was a big one, so I'm not going to be able to go through everything. So you're going to want to make sure that you go to listeners corner on letstalksupplychain.com so that you can look through all of the answers from everybody who responded. So the question is, what are your biggest challenges with supply chain technology? 
over on the Let's Talk LinkedIn page. Angela says, the most fundamental challenge I see with supply chain tech is inconsistent availability of good data. Brian Glick, the biggest issue that most of our clients mention is the massive amount of new technology platforms that are out there. Couldn't agree more, Brian. Alan, great topic. In the most simple terms, technology, if applied appropriately to the supply chain, will inevitably increase shareholder value. Brian answered him and said, I often do an exercise with clients where they have to show me how they do their process if they only had clipboards and snail mail. Rob Garrison also replied to Alan and said, I like the expression, if you automate a bad process, then you are only making bad things happen faster. Tony weighed in, user adoption and willingness to change. Wow, I like that one. Annie Hyder, migration from legacy system to adoption of new system, integration issues between systems, people not being trained to use new systems, so they revert back to manual procedures. No, that's not what we want. And Nick Covert says one can't see the wood for the trees too many products that serve no purpose wow over on my personal LinkedIn, had a few people weigh in. Scott Schertzer, there's so much new technology being released that it can get quite daunting. Johan Strom, I think it may be a risk in trying to keep up with the new technology and adapt to it. That's a good one. Jack Bradley, after clearing, defining, clearly defining the need and researching the available solutions, the two things that come to mind as challenges are when to buy and will it be fully supported? Over on Twitter, Chris Thornton, finding the balance between cost cost efficiency and a solution that matches company needs the best. Uh, D-R-N-E-F-E-R over on Twitter. Sorry if I totally mashed that one. Salespeople tend to have a casual relationship with the truth. And over on Instagram, gray space, getting them to work across the board. So remember to get all of the answers because I only skimmed the surface of those. Go to Listener's Corner at letstalksupplychain.com. And remember, every single Wednesday over on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, we are posting a question and inciting really, really great conversations. You definitely want to be a part of that. So getting back to this month's Woman in Supply Chain, we are super excited to have Ali Sedino and she is the founder of Woman Offshore. She is on the show today. Plus, I have a guest host. Yes, that's right. Holly Qualman, She is joining the show as the guest host and talking to Allie today about her journey. But before we do that, let's get to know a little bit more about her. So Allie is the founder of Woman Offshore and a 2008 graduate of the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. She is licensed as a chief mate of unlimited tonnage vessels and dynamic positioning operator. Allie's experience on the water spans both the maritime and offshore energy industries over the last 10 years. Her latest vessel was a seventh generation ultra deep water drill ship built in South Korea in 2017. Allie spent much of her career at sea as one of the only women in operations on the vessel she worked on, yet she is determined to change that with Women Offshore, an online organization and resource center for diverse workforce on the water. Women Offshore shines a light on women in operations, provides resource to foster long-term careers, and shares the latest efforts on gender diversity and inclusion in the offshore maritime industries. Hi, everyone. I'm Holly Qualman, a supply chain professional working at a large global freight forwarder, and I'll be your host for today's 
episode on Let's Talk Supply Chain. With us today is Ali Cedeno, an amazing professional in the world of supply chain, here to share with us her fascinating career journey. Thanks for joining us today, Ali. So glad to have you. Hi, Holly. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So let's start. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. Um, can you tell us uh, what are your earliest career memories? Where did you start, yeah, so- and yeah, and how and where did you? Uh, how did you end up where you are now? So I'm a graduate of the United States Merchant Marine Academy. I graduated about 11 years ago, and one of my earliest career memories actually started there, where as part of the curriculum, I got on a vessel. It was a car carrier where it was going to go around the world. And so I was going to be part of the crew. And I remember being pretty nervous and excited stepping on board that ship for the very first time to go around the world and see areas that I had never seen before. I was a logistics major at the Merchant Marine Academy. So having that experience on the vessel just helped make everything make sense in the classroom as well. Learning how supplies, whether that was cars in in this instance, uh, were being transported around the world what was needed, who was involved. It was a very interesting learning experience. That's amazing. How did you come into that opportunity? It started with my dad. He taught me how to sail when I was maybe six or seven years old. He put me in a little sailboat and just let me be my own captain. He instilled a confidence in me that I took forward throughout my life and it's because of him that I wanted to have a career on the water. That is awesome. So um, in your career, uh, I'm sure you've run into some challenges and risks, um, uh, and I'm sure you've had to take risks. Um, can you explain or can um, tell us what you consider some of those biggest risks that you've experienced? Yeah, some of the biggest risks for me involved you know, packing up my life to go on board a ship and not really know what's going to happen when I get back. Feeling confident that people will still remember me, such as friends I had recently made, um, that I would be able to figure out my life as I went along. As a seafarer, I was working from contract to contract for a while. So I didn't necessarily have benefits that other people had, such as a 401k. So I just had to believe that this is what I wanted and to go after my dreams of being a seafarer, where it's kind of a nomad at the same time. And then another big thing for me was 10 years in, I had been working at a company where I had a steady job. I had benefits, felt very, very comfortable with my life. But I wanted something more. And I decided that I wanted to go to business school. So I studied for the GMAT, which is the entrance exam, wrote some essays and applied to a few schools. I didn't know how my life was going to really turn out at that point. I just knew that I wanted something different and I wanted to make a difference in my industry. I didn't think that it was enough really to just navigate a ship. So I got into Rice University, and that's where I am now. I'm halfway through the curriculum, going into my second year. 
And I'm really excited to see where my career heads when I graduate. My plan is to uh, continue to train as a rig manager. I've been doing that this past summer where I get to see the entire operation of managing a drill ship. And then hopefully, as long as things continue as is, I'll be able to go into that role where I'm in charge of the operation. Wow, those are some unbelievable um, experiences and opportunities. That's, that's amazing. Um, in reference to challenges, um, I'm sure you've experienced some. Uh, do you have any that you can share with us that you've uh, experienced along the way? Besides the risks, uh, what kind of challenges have you seen? Yeah, as a woman, women only make up 2% of the maritime industry. A little bit more in the U.S., it's believed that women make up about 7% of the maritime industry. And I've worked primarily in offshore energy. If you look at my career over 10 years, uh, where women make up a very small percentage as well, about the same. And it's, it's hard. It's been hard going out to a vessel knowing that people are going to judge me simply for what I look like, simply for my gender and something that I cannot change. And early on in my career, I would try to conform. I wanted to fit in so badly. I thought I had to act like the guys. I thought I had to be all tough. But what I found out throughout my career was that when I showed up as me, things went better. I could tackle challenges as I saw them. I could channel the gifts that I bring to the table and my talents rather than trying to conform to what someone thinks a woman should act like in the maritime industry. So it was an internal battle a lot of the time on how do I show up and bring my true self despite whether someone wants me there or not. And I had a lot of great male role models, captains who wanted know woman on their crew and and they embraced me for me but every now and then there was someone who at least they seemed like they didn't want me there and I just had to keep going and work as hard as I could to kind of prove them wrong but remember who I was in the process oh that's that's very admirable so I guess on on that front um what kind of response did you receive um, when you were you explained how um, you at first felt like you had to act like the guys um, versus actually having a better result when you acted like yourself? So what was the difference in the response that you received? I think when I would talk to other women, they would share similar experiences that they did the same thing. They'd go out there and try to act like the guys. And and sometimes it was well-received and sometimes it wasn't because, you know, they expect the guys expected a woman to act a certain way. And if she didn't and she showed, you know, being aggressive, they, they didn't like that either. It's like, I couldn't please anyone. And it was just exhausting, right? So in the end, it was just better to be myself and... and approach things as how Allie would and I just wanted to be kind to people in the end so for me it was you know different responses it it varied I think the most unique 
part though is what I said about other women saying, oh yeah, you know, I did that too. Oh, I can imagine. So um, obviously you've experienced some challenges when it comes to diversity. Um, in your opinion or thoughts, what do you think might help the move, move the needle forward on that front? Um, especially knowing that, um, as you said, women are the female um, contribution there is what, 2%? Um, how do you think that we can, we can make that change or uh, support that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's something that most male-dominated industries struggle with. And I happened to get on a ship back in 2015 where there were a ton of women. And really, there were 10 or so out of 150. But it, to me, it was a lot. I had never been around a crew where I was working alongside a woman. And I loved it. I liked the fact that I didn't really matter as much being the woman on board because there was going to be another woman walking down the deck behind me. And it seemed that there was an expectation that women would be there. I liked seeing that expectation from the leadership. I was on that vessel for a couple of years and then I was promoted and transferred to another ship where I was the only woman again. And I wanted that camaraderie I had known before to be the norm. And so I did what I could to create a more inclusive environment. And that was to create an organization that supports female seafarers called Women Offshore. And in two short years, it's grown tremendously. We just had our second conference uh, back in July, and we had almost 200 registrations. So that's been huge. And I think we can all play a part. You don't have to be someone who's in charge of a company. You don't have to be in upper management or even middle management. Everyone can play a part in supporting a, an inclusive environment where they are. You don't necessarily have to start an organization like I did, but how you manage a team, being aware of other people's experiences, I think is incredibly important. We want to make sure that we're not gender blind, but rather gender aware. Because what you say, the policies that you try to implement, they can affect women in a different way than they affect men. So bringing that inclusive mindset to the table is extremely important. I, I would agree. Um, and that's awesome that you did that. Um, I, would, I would venture to say that... Um, you took a, a big a big step um, and a big risk by doing that, and that's very admirable. Thank you. Um, in general, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, in general, how important in in business do you think that that it is for our, in our industry, right, to to keep driving diversity forward? And why do you think so? I think it's incredibly important by not looking to have a diverse workforce. You're leaving talent out there, talent that could be utilized at your company. And, and it's amazing to see what happens when you bring a diverse group together. And it's not gonna be great maybe at first because people have to learn how to communicate. There's discomfort when you have a group that has never worked with maybe a woman before. 
or a minority and all of a sudden is thrust into that environment. But as people learn to communicate, you'll see that they'll come up with some great ideas. And so it's of the utmost importance that we diversify our workforce so that we can move forward as an industry. Oh, that's great. I agree. So, you know, the industry that, that uh, you're in is, is really quite dynamic and very interesting. And it's been around for a while. Um, very, as you said, male-dominated. What do you think the major barriers of entry would be for um, diversifying? I think the number one barrier that I have seen is that women and men don't expect women in general to go into the industry. Oh, both women as well. I've talked, yeah, I've talked at conferences where afterwards I had women come up to me and say, you know, I talked to my grandson about going into the maritime industry, but I never brought it up to my granddaughter and I should have. And I think it's so important that whether you're a woman or a man, that you understand that you can be biased and how you speak to people you can influence can, you know, possibly determine what career they go into. And so the number one barrier that I see time and time again is just that there's this expectation that it's for men. And I love breaking down that barrier. At Women Offshore, we showcase stories of women who are out there on the water in various roles, and they're doing an incredible job. And often the response is, wow, I did not know that a woman could do that work. And sure she can. Technology has developed in a way that it's not about the brawn, it's about the brains. And I love showcasing these stories of, of women that are showing the importance of working smarter, not necessarily harder. Uh, that's excellent. So obviously, it sounds like a, there's an, um, an education barrier where, um, or a gap where people just don't even know that this is something that a, a field that women can and should look into. Um, is that something that you're, you're working on um, in, in your career right now? Yeah, it's interesting. My objective is to empower women who are in the industry. But what ends up happening, because we do it quite publicly, is that women outside the industry get to see what we're doing because we do it online. And I, I love that part where it ends up becoming a recruiting tool, a pipeline for companies to recruit from. So we do a lot of mentoring, a lot of work for women in the industry. But throughout that process, I, I love seeing a woman come in and say, wow, this is what I wanted as well. Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, Ellie, how do you feel like we can get the next generation excited about this and excited about shipping in general, excited about what you're, what you're doing, getting the diversification within the, within the industry? I think what we can do is simply share stories online. And so whether that's, you know, women offshore stories or stories that you see in other publications, 
getting the word out, talking about important issues around uh, women in the maritime industry, learning from other industries, just this spread of knowledge and data that we can use on the internet will help bring in new talent. Yeah, I can see that. If you were to uh, give, give advice for young professionals who are trying to figure out you know, where they are going um, and where they want to go in their career and um, may or may not be um, even knowledgeable about, uh, about what you do or um, the industry that you're in or supply chain in general, what advice would you give them? The advice I give them is to do a bunch of research first online, explore different career paths, looked at, look at LinkedIn and see where people who are in roles that they want to be in the future, how did they get there and reach out to those people. There's also opportunities to do internships at companies where even just for a few weeks at a time, you can shadow someone and learn uh, on what's needed in, in their you know, your own career to get there. And I think those are great opportunities to expand your network and get that firsthand knowledge on on what maybe you don't want to even do, right? Because part of that exploration of figuring out what you want to do is figuring out what you might not want to do. Oh, absolutely. So putting yourself out there and learning from an early age that your network can be very powerful and you need to go out and talk to people. Very important. I agree. Well, Allie, what is next for you? What are your, what are your next big plans? So I have my second year of the MBA program that starts on Monday. So that's really exciting for me to, you know, finish up this journey I've started at Rice University. It's been a transformation, learning the fundamentals of business and getting into my accounting concentration. I'm also going to continue building women offshore, even though it's had a lot of success in the last couple of years. There's so much more that can be done to mentor women in the industry and provide resources. In my personal career, I uh, look forward to continuing to work on the water in a managerial role where I can help build an inclusive work environment. So there's a lot of challenges on my horizon, but I'm really excited to to see what happens. Uh, it sounds like an amazing journey. And again, very, very admirable. Um, I wish you luck. We all wish you luck um, in your uh, educational career as well as your professional career. Um, thank you again, Allie, for sharing your journey with us today. Thank it's you. been awesome. Um, and thanks to all of our listeners as well for joining us on this episode of Let's Talk Supply Chain. For more information about Allie, Women in Supply Chain, and this episode, please visit us at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 79. Thanks so much. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say. How long does it take you to get a duty rate or guidance on the right HS classification from your current customs broker? With BorderBuddy's new revolutionary self-service technology, you will never go traditional again. We have created a platform that allows you to get instant quotes on duties, taxes, and customs fees to import your products into North America. 
To get 10% off your first clearance, sign up at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain. If you liked this episode, go and check out the other woman in supply chain series over on podcast or blog at letstalksupplychain.com. Next week, I am interviewing Kurt from Open Sky. They have been recognized on numerous occasions, including top 100 great supply chain partners list by Supply Chain Brain, Food Logistics Top 100, and so many more. We're going to be talking about what they do, um, a new terminology, agile product project methodology, what that means, why that could be the next buzzword, and why you need to know what that is for your business. So don't miss that. It's coming up next week. If you want to support the show, there's a few ways to do that. One is to follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Follow us on the YouTube channel, the SC Supply Chain TV. And remember to subscribe not only to YouTube, but we also have a great newsletter that goes out to you once a week. And that's over at Let's Talk supplychain.com as well. Rate and review the show. Go to iTunes and rate and review the show so other people can find us. Plus, I will mention your review on an upcoming episode. Go to ships.com, that's S-H-I-P-Z.com, and you will be one of the first to know once we are ready to launch our platform. If it's not launched by the time this episode is out, it will be launched soon. And the only people that are going to find out about that is on that list. So you want to go and make sure you go to ships.com and put in your information. Plus go to shop at letstalksupplychain.com full of supply chain dictionary. Yeah, it's 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions for you in your supply chain career. Plus some of the amazing quotes that I use on the show. Collaboration is the future of business. Live your dreams. So many inspirational um, t-shirts and tank tops, um, not only for yourself, but also for your family to uplift and inspire. So go and check that out at shop at letstalksupplychain.com. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you for tuning in each and every week. And remember, everybody, ship happens.